Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello. Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello. Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy, interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Strategy Cast. This week it's the first episode of two we'll be doing, and the first is done as kind of a Strategy News TV comeback, which will appear on the YouTube channel Strategy News TV, and then on Thursday I'll be recording again with Mike. So with this podcast, it's basically the Strategy News TV boys back. Um, apart from Serge, who was busy working unfortunately, so it's Ian, Jonathan, join me to talk about. I suppose matters in lockdown it comes from Manchester United Tinder features regularly uh, Paul Pogba and I suppose the, the big money transfers that United are being linked with at the moment that don't quite make sense because of the whole COVID-19 financial crisis which will hit football we don't know yet how serious it will affect clubs like Manchester United but I think every club will feel some sort of pinch um, as for this show to sit back and enjoy it on YouTube as well and um, myself and Mike will be back on Thursday Thanks to the lads for joining me, and as well, thanks to you, the listeners, for listening. Welcome to Stretty News TV. It's been a while, lads. Um, it's probably been a few years, but we just thought, that obviously, with the current situation and the, the lockdown, we thought we'd um, get the old band back together, as they say. Um, Serge is currently doing some work, apparently, so we'll let him off. But the unholy quartet will be reunited as a foursome at some point in the very near future. But obviously, Jonathan Draga here, with Dale of Stretty News and Ian of Must. And yeah, so we're just here. It's a nice, sunny day here in Manchester, and I believe it'll be the same way you are there, Dale. Yeah. Just thought we'd have a little chat, really. Why not? Just, uh, yeah, talk a bit of United and a bit of uh, Tinder, and you know what it's like. Um, yeah. I'm going, to, I'm going to jump in. What's the update on Tinder? Um <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's still an app, I think. Um, I branched out into a bit of Bumble recently, which is... Now, I thought I'd diversify the portfolio. Um, yeah, you know, obviously during these lockdown times, you need a bit of, bit of flirting on the couch. Social distancing, of course. Yeah, of course, all virtual flirting, Dale. Just how I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it's, you know... It's strange times we're living in, isn't it, lads? It really is. It is. Ian, how are you coping in quarantine with the little fella? Yeah, it's not, not been too bad. I'm doing my bits for must, either from home or here in the office, as you can see. But, um, yeah, it's not too much. I've got that slight bit of reality of being at work and still having to do work. Um, so that sort of gives you that sort of mind of not being sat at home. But I can imagine... As um, you can imagine, as uh, Jonathan has just alluded to there, you know, he's spending a lot of time social distancing. Um, he's many ways uh, without actually being able to 
woo the ladies face to face. Um, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. My sources, my sources say otherwise. <laughs> I, I don't want to know what your sources are, <laughs> oh Jonathan, for that reason. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I think you well, You get to see Old Trafford every day, still. <laughs> I, I, I've watched McCullough. I've been thinking that the, the privileged position of where our office is is that I literally do get to see Old Trafford still, um, of which we're most likely have to try and find some video clips um, what Old Trafford looks like without me going for a wander around the ground. Still, still eroding, I, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, with uh, the uh, lack of thinking. Although, I presume that the progress actually on putting in the lifts that they was uh, installing at both ends of the ground for disabled platforms um, in the quadrants on the, on the south side of the ground will have actually possibly been completed now, although I know that they were still doing it up to the point of behind, well, they were still in progress yeah. um, and not finished whilst we played the Manchester derby back in the start of March. So uh, I assume that that may be finished now, considering the fact that, you know, construction workers are allowed to go out and get to you doing their job. But um, it's been very sort of quiet and eerie around Old Trafford. So maybe, maybe not without venturing around to, around to the Stratford end. You've been seeing any, I don't know, is there any movement at Old Trafford at all? Usually, like to say that, you know... You- I mean, I imagine obviously the mega store will be shut, so you won't you won't see the fans and tourists coming to buy merchandise. But are you still seeing any activity? You always see people wandering around. All is traffic. there security? Yeah, is there anything the, going on? There's actually there is actually security. I've seen more security than what I would have probably recognised just on a normal day. Obviously, the lack of people around, and like you said, the mega store is shut, the cafe is shut, the tours are all shut, so the ground's very quiet in that respect so presume that the only sort of people you would pass on by either by foot or you do get the occasional cyclist or be people out doing their sort of daily exercise apart from the security staff who are at work but it, it's it's really quiet out there is it it must feel is it like the etihad on a match day <laughs> I was about to say it's, it's alluded to yeah what what it would be like passing the Etihad on a, on a match day even with whatever fifty thousand inside the ground you can pretty much hear a pin drop. But it's, it, it's good to see that people get their exercising, but people cycling past Old Trafford and 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 Johnny on on Tinder. <laughs> Listen, my fingers are very very flexible, very strong. I'd imagine so. Do a lot of swiping with these fingers. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, there, there's there's been a lot of downtime, and I think people that are there looking to find ways to stay distracted. Um, I've been watching a few old games, and uh, you know, old games, and it's so so different. And we were only mentioned before we came on the podcast, and people's footballers' application as opposed to building their image. Back then, it was all about application. Nowadays, you have social media profiles. You have people trying to protect their image in the media. And even interview styles, you know, you look back at managers back then, they were much more ratty. Um, there was much more public spats, even within players on the pitch and stuff. The, J- Johnny, like, especially now with downtime, we're seeing lots about players in social media. You know, yeah. we're almost living in their sitting rooms. It's changed dramatically. Do you think it's changed for the better or is there too much kind of profile protecting going on? This, this does allude to Paul Pogba, by the way, before anyone suggests that I'm talking about someone in particular. Yeah, no, it, it, it's such a it's such a nuanced topic, isn't it? The whole social media and footballers, because I mean, you know, it's it's hard maybe because I grew up in the in the generation where, well, the internet really didn't exist. Never mind social media. So my only exposure to players was through very traditional media channels and you know there was more of an innocence there was more of an innocence it was a bit more pure in a way because it wasn't as pr driven as you said nowadays it's good i mean i imagine like the young kids a lot long a lot younger than us probably love the fact that they can see you know that jesse's cycling on a whatever on a tuesday and stuff and it is great in that regard it just becomes problematic when when the branding 
supersedes the football, like we kind of alluded to before we were talking about off-camera with, with the likes of, say, a Paul Pogba and the commercial interests and stuff like that. But I don't know. I mean, we can get into Pogba as well, if you like. But, yeah, it, I think during this lockdown... Is that, is, that, def- is that your opening line on Tinder? Uh, what we can talk about Pogba in a while. We can get into Pogba if you like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very good, very good. Um, <laughs> I thought they were just lying on grinder. <laughs> I mean, other other dating apps are available. Um, but in in all seriousness, you know they. I suppose the, the way we can relate, I mean, the big talking point nowadays is Pogba. Yeah. And it's great that the kid, the younger kids get to at least have a bit of an insight into what the players are getting up to. And I was thinking, I don't know what you've been following online, obviously, but have you been enjoying United's content? I think they've been doing some decent content, trying to get the players involved and little clips and things. I suppose they're at least trying to keep us in, you know, up to date. Yeah, look, I, I've complained about the, the content shared on the, the official Twitter feed and social media for a long time, but it, in the, in, it, I kind of starting to appreciate it more now because when I go online yeah. and I'm looking for United stuff, some of the, the videos, the, the gigs ones are sharing and stuff, they're, they're nice flashbacks. Um, so, no, I have been enjoying that, but I, and I think the podcast too, they just released one with, with Paul Pogba. And obviously, again, when I sit down and when I listen to this, I'm I'm thinking straight away this is a PR thing, and he's going to get the comments out that he wants. He's going to be asked the questions he likes, uh, as 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 will be the case if Straight News got an interview with a United player, we'd probably be told beforehand you can't ask questions like this, and and that that's bollocks. That's not free press. Um, people want to want honest answers, but yeah, you know that when you're listening to podcasts from the club. That they're, it's a PR stunt, um, and it always will be PR driven. So that's why I kind of enjoy doing, say, podcasts like this or listening to other podcasts. Um, you know, that we stand and do a fantastic podcast, and you can tell those people know one another. Um, it, it, it's not kind of, it's not structured in any old way. It, it's just a bunch of lads talking football and giving their insight on it. Um, Ian, what have you been listening to any podcasts during the this lockdown, or do you listen to? You know, any particular United podcasts? I did like pick up on the United We Stand one because obviously it was quite good to just to get sort of the genuine sort of like, I quite relate quite heavily to the sort of fancy lads, you know, the lads that go home and away. And so that's quite a good post match to, to see those and obviously Andy's views on the games. The one that I picked up on is Talk of the Devil, which obviously Andy Mitten again stands on. Uh, sits on and that that again is from quite the athletic, good isn't it? From the athletic, yeah, from the athletic. So again, it's sort of that, that quality of they've done a couple of like obviously at the moment when they're having to innovate for content as well. Done a, they did like um, a debate on Scolzi and whether whether he could be deemed a success for England, didn't they? Which was quite interesting. I mean. You know, we're all kind of scrambling for content to fill our days, aren't we? Yeah, well, you say debates like that are always good because it's kind of it's a step into the unknown. Um, it's the same way we could we could sit down and discuss the potential future of of what would have been with Duncan Edwards had he not died, what player he would have became because he was so young. So it's kind of it's one of those debates, like what would he have went on to? Um, how what how far would England have went in international tournaments had they? Stop their obsession with playing two players that just didn't match in Gerard and Lampard, and open up their horizon to a fantastic footballer and Paul Scholes. You know, you know, so debates like that are one way to fill the gap with content. Um, and I think that's what we're kind of doing now. We're just having a chat. We have no structure here. We're just blabbing away for for half an hour to an hour. You know. Yeah, we're just freestyling. Which um, is the best way, really. I mean, we'll, we'll get into a few more specific United topics and current ones as, as best we can. But, yeah, they'd be the, like you mentioned there, you alluded to the United We Stand, Talk of the Devil. Um, I'm trying to think which other United ones, the, the official United one. What, what was the Pogba, 
podcast like then? Did, have you actually listened to it yet? Because I was a bit like you, Dale. I was a bit sort of thinking, are they actually going to delve into anything of interest here? Or is it going to be all PR friendly? The snippet that the, 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 the official feed shared out on Facebook and on Twitter, they, it gets into the big the big kind of quote nearly on um, Graeme Souness and the media critics on Pogba, which I thought was interesting and they knew they were going to get a lot of reactions from that engagement. Um, yeah, look, if you look at it deeper, I don't know what Souness' obsession was with Pogba from the very start, but at the start I was thinking, right, he's, he's going over the top the whole time. Now when I listen to him, a lot of the stuff I kind of agree with. The attitude thing, maybe I agree with because I don't see a player there that's putting in the application that is his profile desires. Um, so he's, he's not completely wrong. He's not, he's not batshit mental. Um, some of the things he says does register. And rather than coming out and hitting back at critics with a podcast, I'd much rather see Pogba let his feet through the talking and come back into a Man United shirt and... And be one of the best midfielders in the world that he can be. Hundred percent, hundred percent agree. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I, I would have been interested as well. Did, did they mention Mina Raiola at all? No, that's would... that that that's um. I'm I'm sure when I, when I say that he was given the questions that he liked, I'm sure Raiola also had an input in that as well. Because well, that would have been very interesting. Cause I think we've all been desperate to ask Pogba is why. Why let your agent represent you and speak on your behalf in such a negative manner towards the club? That that is basically the crux of it, isn't it? That's what's I think that's probably what's offended most Reds more than yeah. anything. Yeah, uh, that that that's what annoys me because during the time in which Riola came out attacking Soldier was a time when things weren't going too well for Soldier and it was easy to hit him. And I think my, even at the time I was thinking this does not help anyone. No, he's it, kicking him when he's down, wasn't he? Kicking it? him when he's down. And I think that's the lack of respect. And it also stems from Pogba because he's, he's allowing it to happen. He's not coming out explaining that this shouldn't be happening. Um, yeah. and, and that brings up the debate too. Like, Do people want Pogba at Manchester United next next season? Because we, we've been kind of looking at stories the past two years about potential moves to Juventus and, and Real Madrid. Um, he hasn't played much this season. He's caused more trouble with his agent then he's done any good for us this year in particular Ian do you want him in Man United shirt next year uh, well like you've just sort of mentioned this, this sort of two year period where we've had this transfer sort of rumours there's obviously the, the bits you've just mentioned with Raiola coming out and being negative towards the manager and, and things like that that I don't think have, have helped anybody really sort of be that sort of have that attachment with, with Pogba as as what you would expect, you know, from a, a player of that ilk. Um, I actually wouldn't mind to see him next season. I was quite looking forward to seeing how it sort of played out on the fact that he was supposed to be coming back from injury. And like you say, I think unless this is just sort of way that Pogba wants to sort of because I've not seen that podcast either in, in what he wants to say is, right, well, I'll do my talking on the pitch. And by that, you would then expect, you know, the sort of quality of performance that you would expect of somebody who's won a World Cup. And he would go into that side that, you know, since we've had Fernandez and he's done superb and we've looked to, to take a couple of steps forward, you would want to, for him to come back and have the role where he comes in and goes, you know what, these are doing really well. I need to take them up another level by putting in my application, putting in my performances. And that's the sort of thing that you'd want to see from a player, you know, like Pogba. And I think don't think anybody would argue with that. It's the sort of negativity that we've got that you would... And I think Rio sort of... Um, touched on this when he did his BT Sports pundit and that he wants Pogba to come out and say look right you know this is the end of the line this is what's going on um, and I'm making you know I, I'm committing to the club or this is what's going to happen and it shuts those rumours down it shuts everything else down and we get to just concentrate on, on the Pogba now obviously with the situation we're in where the football stopped and we don't know where the rest of the season is uh, you know, if it's going to restart, if we're going to see things behind closed door, if we're not going to see that, 
if the season's going to be null and void, sorry to the Scousers, um, or anything like that, then I think we're really going to sort of struggle to, to sort of place him until we get back to playing some sort of football and see if he come, comes back, you know. The other sort of positive that comes with that is that realistically, he should not now be able, there shouldn't be any sort of hiding in any situation in the fact that he should be given uh, a bit of pre sort of pre-season sort of training, if you will, um, as the rest of the squad will need before they start matches. He should be led literally straight back in um, into being able to be that fit to play those games. Um, we shouldn't be, there shouldn't be an, an issue in him not being able to play, as we've seen with like the sort of he was supposed to be coming back, and then just after Christmas he came back, played two games, and was injured. And then Solskjaer said he was out for a month, and then seven weeks later we'd still not seen him, and all this. And at, and at that point, you know, Bruno would. Um, and the results had started to change. So you can you started to forget about Pogba, the, the and a lot of people in, 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 will actually question that bit. Will actually say, um, you know, Pogba get back into this team, and that was where we sort of left it. The one thing I think people have overlooked, and it's a trend all season with a number of players. So Ultra hasn't been very, um, he hasn't been helpful with giving press comments when it comes to player return dates, and I do feel that. A lot of the uncertainty around Pogba wasn't helped by that, and I don't. I think that also comes from Pogba because did Solskjaer know himself when Pogba was due to return? He kept. He always keeps his cards close to his chest on any of the players that got injured. The only kind of one that he had to speak out about was Rashford because people said that were reporting that it was a really serious injury. But a number of the players um, that got injured this season, we didn't know when they were going to return. McTominay was one of them. Um, so like that maybe added some criticism that Pogba gets because it was such uncertainty around one, his return date, and two, whether he's going to be at Man United for long. Yeah, the, the other thing as well you had to factor in was that the noises coming out of Old Trafford was, or certainly from those people that are supposedly in the know, is that you had Pogba's own medical team advising him. So yeah. apparently it actually contradicted the medical advice from Old Trafford. So essentially he had his own doctor that recommended this surgery, essentially so that he could be back for France. And there were just so many elements because if you look at Paul, the fact that he's not never spoken out against his agent criticising United, the fact that a lot of things seem to point towards that he would prioritise a move away and also playing for France over United. And it's just, there's, there's so many things that don't reflect favourably on him. So, for example, it would appear now that he might even want to stay and play because Bruno's arrived and in stark contrast to Pogba, he's a player that's got bags of ability but also applies himself amazingly when he's on the pitch. And you've seen the impact he's had. He's, he's sort of had the impact that we want Paul to have as well. And I think... That doesn't look favourable. That it's almost like, oh well, now that the now that it's smelling of roses again, I want to come back in and and play. We we all we've only ever wanted Paul to give his all. Like that's what makes you laugh when people will accuse you of certain things on Twitter for questioning Pogba. I don't give a shit if Pogba, uh, you know, has urine on his hair. I don't care if Pogba takes a run-up from Birmingham to Manchester to take a penalty. Are we reading through some of your Tinder scripts right now? Yeah. I'm not, this, isn't a, this isn't an insight into my bedroom. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying. I'm trying, I like the point that anything Pogba does external to football, I couldn't give two shits. I just want to see Pogba playing for this year. That, that's, all we, that's all any of us have ever wanted. And so, would I want? It's almost like a lover scorned, isn't it? It's like with Paul, I've, I've sort of fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me, that kind of thing. With, with Pogba, I feel like he's hurt me so many times. Can I truly forgive him again? Do I want to forgive him? Do I want him to play for United? Can I love him? Maybe if he, if I see yeah. six months of consecutive application, and and 
the thought of him with Bruno, I mean, you guys probably think about it more tactically as well. I don't know if that can work. It probably can. You've just got two class players and I'm sure they could form part of an amazing United team going forward. The only thing I'd say about that is Bruno looks a lot more disciplined um, positionally. So I think that if he played a more deeper role to let Pogba forward, that might not be good for Bruno because he, he provides goals and assists and you want him up the pitch. But I'm saying maybe this could be the player that allows Pogba to take that role rather than... Ha- I, I do think it's unfair to his players at the Kind of a that's a defensive midfielder, but he's played so deep for a player that takes out key passes, you know, in the final third. He, he, he's got a great passing range, but I want to see Pogba behind the front man. But see, I mean, thinking about it tactically, I know people will all, you know, until Solskjaer proves otherwise, maybe people will always claim he's a little bit of a I'm just making this phrase up a culture merchant because he gets United and things like that, but tactically. I mean, he's kind of proven in big games that he has got a little bit of tactical wherewithal. But the thing is, City can make several world-class players fit. So surely we can, if Pogba is committed, wants to stay, surely we can make those two work in some system. The one thing I will say on that, from the podcast, um, and, and Pogba's tactical nous. He claims that he does not. He watches football. He does not listen to it because he knows football. He doesn't need to listen to other people talk about it. And that, like, that's bullshit. Because I know people that know football and that sit down and enjoy other opinions, and it makes them think differently. You look. Okay. What he said. He said that he doesn't listen to other people what they say about football because he knows enough about it already. Um, that, I can tell that you, is, I, that's problematic, isn't it? Yeah, that's problem. Yeah, exactly, and like, I, I, I can guarantee you. Is that just is that not just a dig at a journalist? Possibly, possibly, but what I what I suit this. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, if Guardiola and Srags Ferguson bump into one another, they're not thinking about that. They're thinking these two great football minds. I might take something from his book. He might take something from mine. And that, like, what's he on if he doesn't listen to no one about football? That's a bit thin. I mean, he should be listening to this first and foremost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, I mean, yeah, you know, he, I'm sure, he, sort of going back to his personality as well, I'm sure he's a good lad. He's, he always comes across well yeah. in interviews and stuff. But I don't care. I'd almost rather him be a dick in interviews and be like Roy Keane on the pitch. I, I don't really care. It's great that he's this late. I mean, using the French, the, uh, the the French term here, laissez-faire. You know, for being culturally in keeping the fact that he's French. But yeah, he's this laissez-faire, joie de vivre character. That's great. But we want a bit. We want to see the other side of him. And, and I really hope that if he is to come back, that it can work with Bruno. It, it will, I believe it can. I think it will. Look, look. We're talking about two quality players here. Um, like we're, we're complaining a bit about Pogba but Pogba's a world class player on his day there's there's very few midfielders that can, can do what he can do with a football um, what we're all complaining about we haven't seen enough of that and that may be behind the player's drive and hopefully with Fernandez, it's like well I want to be part of that I think that he could get, the, get better out of me than say Andres Pereira who Pogba's played a lot with unfortunately well yeah, I mean, and then you can add Harry Kane in for two hundred million. Yes. Now, who, who, which football <laughs> club is going to pay two hundred million to Spurs for Harry Kane when, with this whole COVID nineteen, which we follow the financial crisis, I, there's very few players are going to, they're going to go for that amount. If anything, player values are going to drop, and Daniel Levy thinks two hundred million for Harry Kane. Um, he, think, he must think he's worth three hundred million then. In the yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's crazy, and Ian, we we need a centre forward, and uh, we need goals. That's why we got Harry or Harry Kane, Igalo in in January on loan to replace Rashford with the injury. But would you be going all out spending big on a centre forward, or would you prioritise maybe a right wing centre midfielder, or even a centre back? Um. I think the way that it looks as though Oli's sort of building his team 
you know, that he, he he's probably quite happy with the fact that he's got Martial. I've been really impressed, by, as many will have been, with, with Igalo because he's the sort of chalk and cheese opposite of what Martial gives you. Um, which a lot of United fans have died out for that type of player. So it'll be quite interesting to see what happens with him and the fact that this short-term deal that's supposed to last till June, you know, there was talk of, because the fact he's hit the ground running and everybody's got excited by him, that he would actually possibly earn himself a contract for New Year, for the, the next season New Year. It could be the bloody New Year by the time we find this football back. But yeah, I think... Um, yeah, I think that might be what we get to is is if he goes into the into next season with a contract, then you don't you sort of blow the idea of needing a centre forward out of the war. Then your concentration, as it sounds by what we've seen from pretty much sort of daily or a couple of days down the line, is these talks of Sancho and that sort of where United look like they're spending that sort of big money. Now I think that sort of complements what. For, uh, what Ollie would be doing would be, you know, he's got that pace in Rashford on the left-hand side. He needs to replicate that with somebody of similar sort of quality um, in Sancho on the other side. That and possibly a centre back for me. Um, if he's gonna, if Pogba stays, then I, I can't see any more beyond looking at priorities in those two positions, especially considering the fact we now don't have a clue where a transfer window would fit in in between the seasons in that sort of sense. Does, does that, does that, Johnny, does that make it feel very unsettling to be talking about transfers right now? Because as we know with COVID-19, people are, are dying all around us. Um, we, don't, we, we don't really know it's going to be a transfer window, but we're still seeing these headlines of ridiculous fees for, for footballers. That is just fantastic. Even more so now than ever, it's just filling, filling space, isn't it? Filling column inches and an online content. But particularly, I mean, the Harry Kane one. There's so many points that that kind of sprout from Harry Kane for two million. Firstly, it's problematic because he's proven to be very injury prone. Um, is t- I mean, two hundred million on a player, even if they're world class, is a gamble at the best of times. To, to do it on a player that's been injured, had long periods of injury in the last few years, seems like a massive risk. It, it, it strikes me as a typical Ed Woodward signing of, say, the first three or four years post-Fergie because he's a man that he's an English traditional centre-forward who'll probably sell a shed load of shirts if he proves successful and scores goals. So for me, I can't get away from the fact that that seems like a commercially driven signing because if it works, he could be a real success in terms of the merchandise. But it also, if you think about Harry Kane and stylistically how he would fit in terms of how we played, if you remember, there was always that debate even at Spurs. Do Spurs play better without Harry Kane? Do Spurs play better when it's Deli Ali, Son and Mora as the front three because they're more fluid and, and they can play... Like, from everything we've seen from Solskjaer, that's what he's trying to create at United, sort of a very fluid front three that are all mobile, all very fast. Surely Harry Kane, in some regards, is the opposite of that. So it's, it doesn't kind of seem to be in keeping with what he's trying to do. I know we've had Igarlo to kind of create, you know, give us a little bit of versatility, but I don't know, it just... There's no way we're going to spend two hundred. If we do buy him, it's going to be no way near that figure. I know that much. But I don't know what you think about any of the points I've just made. But to me, it just doesn't seem to make sense on a few levels. No, no. I, I think I think the the one you made the point you made about Spurs maybe looking better without Harry Kane. If I had to pay, I want. I was thinking about it. if United needed a left side, needed a player on the left side, and it was a Harry Kane or, or Son. I'd be buying Son all day long. 100%. And that's not to say that I don't... I'm not one of these people, you know, like it's kind of popular to be sort of counterculture, isn't it? And say, oh, Harry Kane's rubbish and stuff. He's not. He's a great centre-forward on his day. I mean, when he's... One of the best in the world. Yeah, he's brilliant. But you've got to factor in the price. You've got to factor in the, the, the injury history. 
And you've got to factor in that United, we, we've been a club certainly in recent years that have had to budget our spending. So you don't want to go and blow essentially your whole budget on one player. Like you say, I'd rather focus on two or three areas and, and make sure that they're covered. You need to remember too that we got Robin Van Persie at a cup price deal and had a 25 million. And had um, had he been going for a top, a top fee, Ferguson only went to sign him because he was available. His contract was running out and he could get him that bit cheaper. He, he probably wouldn't have got him otherwise. No, no, you're right. But then, look, you know, Levy has always managed to get the best price from us for any of the players we've got in recent years, hasn't he? He's always got, like, the premium price for your Berbatovs and your Carricks. But, I mean, 200 million is beyond, I think, what anyone would value oh. Harry Kane at, even in, an, a, you know, in a standard market. Ah, yeah, it's, it's, it's typical. It's, it's, it's a matter of a club taking the piss. And I see the same thing again with, with Leicester. I've seen a report that United have apparently ended their interest in Madison because Leicester want over 100 million for him. And if you remember back to last summer, um, they, got, they got a world record fee for Harry Maguire. I'm not complaining about Initially, I was kind of uncertain about him. But uh, after Christmas, he, he started showing his performances as well as his leadership off the pitch that um, I think he's going to go down as a really, really good boy for the club. A hundred percent. And I, I think with the transfers as well, what we've got to remember is we've been operating from a position of relative lack of power, certainly in in comparison to recent decades when, when players have been desperate to come to United. Obviously, in recent years, that hasn't been the case. And therefore, the balance of power has been in the, the agents or the clubs or the the players favour but now if Solskjaer can kind of get us back on the right track and and go in you know positive momentum you're going to start seeing players want to come to us again and that's when the balance of power can be hopefully resumed in our favour because then you've got players that will kick up a fuss if they're not sold so you might get a Madison who says well you've you've kiboshed my move you've kind of you know you've quashed my move to United because you're asking for an, an exorbitant fee. So maybe I just, like, kind of what happened with Zahar, I suppose, at, at Crystal Palace. Mm. Now, he's, he's, I wouldn't say he's down tools. He hasn't, because he still played, but you can clearly see he wanted to go to Arsenal, and they priced him out. Of the, potentially the move of his career, because he did come to United, it didn't work out for him. He didn't get many yeah. chances. This was his career move. Exactly. So we've got to, we've got to kind of hope that our form dictates pricing moving forward rather than clubs knowing that we're we're desperate yeah you know the, the the image of the club i think in the past year i think we had our, our difficult times i think suppose during the season a lack of consistency but just before the, the season suspended united run a great run of 11 games unbeaten um and with, with, with bruno's introduction the fact that the two players that came in in january hit the ground running there was a lovely atmosphere around the club again um, and even you could see it when we talked about the social media feeds they, they were posting nearly daily updates from Bruno Fernandes and Igalo smiling at training you know it, it was a nice feel about the club and I think that will appeal to potential transfer targets when they see something is bubbling at Manchester United again um, and just, just a bit of credit too for Solskjaer because when things weren't going his way he never changed his way of, of doing things he stuck by what he said he was going to do when he came in and getting the right players there. Look at the players we lost last summer. There's, a, there's an average age, and I think they're, it, it's in the 30s. That's right. clear to what he's doing. And, and that, 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 like, as you see with other top teams at the moment, Liverpool is a good example because he actually uses Klopp as a, as a reference in a lot of interviews. That didn't happen overnight. In their first season under Klopp, when they started playing a more pressing game, their players suffered um, a lot of injuries and times out. The players have to adjust themselves to the style of football they're being asked to play. Um, that's a huge problem at United because we had David Moyes, Van Gaal, Mourinho um, and now Socha. They're all four different management, different ideologies of the game. So that's tough for the squad too to have to readjust time and time again. And right now I'm happy with what I'm seeing. Yeah, no, 100%. You're right. It's easy. Very easy to criticise Solskjaer, but I, I think he's been. I, I know that some fans would say that it grates on him a little that he's 
sometimes maybe overly optimistic. Sometimes you want to hear a bit more realism. But, you know, he can't do right for doing wrong because Mourinho was criticised for being exactly that, too realistic. And maybe opening, you know, the, the, what do they call it, the phrase, but shall we say exposing too much about the, the daily activity at United. Yeah. Whereas Solskjaer is doing everything to preserve the integrity of the club. And he's been nothing but class, hasn't he, throughout, really. I mean, you can't say he's ever let us down in that regard. Um, he, he's been brilliant. What, what do you reckon, Ian? Are we all in? Yeah. We're all in, aren't we? Are we all in? <laughs> I think, we're, I think you, you've got to give him his credit, you know, like Dale said, that he's had to sort of rough the sort of bad times out. Um, and keep to what he, he, he thinks is the right thing and like you say you know it's it's hard to go back to comparing it with what Klopp did at the start with with Liverpool but you know that injury and we got that after, straight away after Mourinho you know that, that initial boost of morale um, when he first came in as caretaker manager died it's death and then right at the end of the season we found you know we looked like we'd completely worn out but that was the players adjusting and in times at the moment, you know, we've had it at times this season where obviously the injuries have stacked up against us, but that'll only come to fruition in the possibly next season and maybe the end of this season, actual facts, because we'll have a possibly near to fully fit squad if we come back and actually resume this season. Uh, and I think all these... As well everyone else, won't they? Which is a good thing because, you know, People will say, oh, yeah, but everyone else will have a fully fit squad. But I'm happy with that because yeah. we've got we've got to back our fully fit squad against other fully fit squads, if you see what I mean. And, and I would actually say that, relatively speaking, if we miss big players, it will impact us more. But Solskjaer, in his credit as well, to his credit, he's never moaned, has he? He's never kind of drawn upon that as a as a real excuse, which obviously a lot of people would accuse Mourinho of. Yeah, well, Mar- Mar- Mourinho did it already this season with Spurs. I remember the young, the young Irish striker at um, at Spurs, I can't, can't think of his name right now, but he, um, Son and Kane were injured. And he gave, yeah. he gave an interview and he said, he goes, how can I do this? Or something so, so along the lines of, I have no striker available. A young lad is on, is, is, is even on the bench. You know, you have to make do with what you have. Common sense, but Mourinho is too worried about his um, again public profile rather than you know it, it's all about this because he's thinking if, if if I fail here so bad I'm bringing them down with me I'm not going to tarnish my CV again Solskjaer when players have been injured hasn't been afraid to call in players from from the U team and again credit for spotting that Brandon Williams was about to emerge he's been absolutely brilliant with Mason Greenwood in fact some people have complained that they wanted to see more Greenwood at times this season that he should have been getting. Solskjaer is being very careful not to burn out that young lad. He, he wants to make sure that when he's ready to play, he is ready to score goals. 100%. You, you've got to, I think you, a lot of the, the maybe the kids, especially like the, the vocal majority on things like Twitter and what have you, they probably didn't grow up around the era where Fergie did have the nurture and blood the younger members of the class of 92. So they, they probably don't see the kind of parallels there. But 100%, you spot on. He's been brilliant with Mason. And I've been guilty of it myself. Oh, I want to see more of him and stuff. That's natural as no, fans. We, we get exactly. giddy. Yeah, yeah. he sees him on the training ground. He sees when his energy levels are right, when he's, when he's, feel, you know, when he's up for it. And he, no, he's done a, he, there's, there's a lot that he's done right. Solskjaer and you, you hit a really good point that we were just getting that it's just sob's law isn't it that we were just sort of hitting that little bit of form and that kind of camaraderie was quite evident within the squad and then and then obviously the sad reality of, of the world at the moment but we've just got to hope that we can kind of regain that immediately when, when we come back which I don't know what, what's your thoughts on the, the, when it does resume the what happens? Do we resume the league? Does it have to be finished to preserve the integrity? As the, some people have said, I mean, I can just say from my opinion, very easy for us to take the piss out of Liverpool, of course. But I've got to say, they've been waiting 30 years, haven't they? We've been waiting, I mean, it'll only be like seven years for us, but I can tell you now, 
if this was us that were two games away, even after seven years, we'd all be spitting feathers, wouldn't we? We'd be so unimpressed. So you can only imagine how they feel after 30 years. I've, I've got to say, even as they're, they're staunch rivals, you've got to give it Liverpool. You've got to let them win it somehow. I don't know how you resume the league, finish it, whatever. You've got to. You're about to say no chance, aren't you, Dale? I can see it in your face. <laughs> no mercy. The, the thing, thing with Liverpool is they probably shouldn't have went on that mid-season break and they probably would have got two games in during that spell. <laughs> you know, they probably could have. They, 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 they agreed to win. No, go. But look, by all means, hand it to them with, with a big asterisk. You know, you have to, you have to, you have to win the league. Yeah, but wouldn't you? Oh, I don't know. I want, I, I want, I want the league to resume because Manchester United have so much to play for. Um, we have top four play for, and I believe a very important point that with all the squads back fit, I couldn't give a fuck about and the other squads. But Manchester United has such a good, good squad of players to come back. We were absolutely amazing before suspension, and we hadn't even got our probably best performing player this season. Two of them in McTominay and and Rashford. You know, so how good would we be with Fernandez, Pogba? By all means, bring it back and let us fight for top four, as well as the Europa League, which we've won for in the in the quarter final, and the FA Cup to fight for as well. So we've too much to we've too much pride to let down by by the season not carrying on, and Liverpool will win the league if that does happen. Um, but yeah, I am enjoying this this period of kind of. Not knowing what's going to happen, so we're sending our little memes on Twitter about the league ending, and uh, they're getting plenty of engagement from over on Merseyside. Let me tell you, they are. And I'm actually, I will say to their credit, they're not. I mean, they do realise obviously that the, the health is paramount and that what's going on is more important. So yeah. you, you're not, you're not seeing them sort of openly criticise and moan too much. No, they know it's a joke. They know it's only. It, 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 it's a gesture because look turn the tables they'd be laughing at United's prospect they wouldn't win the title and that's that, 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 that's football because some people might sit back and have the moral high ground that oh, I, I, we wouldn't do that if the tables were turned it's football yes yes, you would oh of course they would absolutely um, yeah I, I do deep down somewhere in me I do have some sympathy for them I must say Ian, what should you do with the rest of the season? What, what What's the, the plan you go with? Well, <laughs> I, I'm quite, I've, and I've always have been quite happy to resume on the facts that, you know, United have still got top four to, to, to go after because that's, that's what, the be-all and end-all should be what United are doing, not what everyone else is doing despite the fact that we've had a poor season. By some stretches, but you know, by the end of if you could play out the rest of the season and United have got that chance at the top four, then you'd actually give it some sort of success in that sort of sense. And I think that's what I'd like to see. Um, how you do it, I, I, I the, the, the whole thing behind closed doors for me just doesn't sit right. That whole last game that was played behind closed doors, I know it was you know, your Europa League tie, but. It, it just it was an eerie atmosphere with you know they had a, what was it a select number of fans in the ground. Um, Let me show you a question Ian, about that. That that felt very very weird. What feels more weird is no football at all right now. And I I, I know to, I I totally sided with your side of the argument when that game was played and I was like oh this is bollocks bollocks bollocks. But I think now if we can get a bit of football back, I think people would jump at it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I can sort of understand that and I think a lot of people would for that but it's the sort of for me you know this talk about like games being played at neutral grounds a couple of weeks ago there was chancing of like having teams like in hotels and it was almost like a World Cup feel and they play at neutral grounds potentially in the Midlands now there's been articles in the past couple of days of games being played at Wembley and uh, for me, you, there's no home away advantage in that sort of respect, and it takes that. Take, and I know you've got the whole sort of eeriness of having an empty stadium to start with. Doesn't matter where you play it, but to me, 
if you're sat in the home dressing room at Old Trafford, knowing that your opponents next door have got slightly smaller changing room, you've got all your luxury and you blast out your tunes or whatever, it can make an effect. It has that sort of effect. That's a really tragic Ferguson perspective. Who is that Fergie in disguise? But, but, but that, but, but that for me is is where you get. You get sort of an adv- a home advantage yeah. and a bit of an edge, and I think that maybe maybe is what you lose by putting it in neutral venues because then, for instance, if you played it at Wembley, where the dressing rooms are pretty much the same size, it just makes more then- dressing rooms for the away team. Cardboard <laughs> boxes, close it out. Yeah, just only cold water showers in the dressing room, and then on the loud speakers. In the stadium itself, you could have like cheers when the home team are on the ball and boos when the away team are on the ball. Or just play this podcast on the PA system. Yeah. <laughs> no. Literally just change it up so it sounds like FIFA. Just playing crowd noises as well over the top. Um, I, I can understand the frustration with football, but um, if you're not going to be able to play it with some sort of advantage to, to to one team over another and possibly it being done within an, an environment that includes a crowd because you know I'd I can't lo- I'd love no, as much as I'm, I'm literally yards away from Old Trafford and I'm as eager as any beaver to get back in there especially after that Matt Tomini goal against City yeah. you're always down on the concourse at the bar anyway what you're talking about you're <laughs> watching the game I tell you what I, I spend very little time as much now that I'm sort of in Tiare you sing and there's an atmosphere and it's, it sounds a bit mental but yeah that McTominay goal was just was just something and the scenes in there for about 15 minutes after the game was, just, was unbelievable you don't replicate that without actually being in sort of unfortunately without you know being able to replicate it round the ground but that sort of thing means that you spend less time at the bar. No, you're right, but I know I, I do agree with Dale. I mean, on a scale of things, football without a crowd is better than no football, isn't it? I suppose if we're and the only thing that concerns me is moving forward. If they try and kind of cram in the season and then start a new season, because I don't want to. I, I feel that we flog players as, at the best of times. You know, in terms of the the the. Con, you know the intensity of the the schedule, Could, and, and and that only if that increases injuries, it, it decreases performance levels. As far as I'm concerned, there's too much football anyway. So if they're going to try and cram in a league, then start a new league two weeks later, to me that's problematic. Maybe Guardiola get his wish. Then I think it's, it was him that said it, that they might cancel the the league cup, get rid of it. Yeah, hundred percent. Whatever needs there is, to be there, there is a debate before this. The footballers have too many games that yeah. they're being run out. And if they do try and cram, even if they cram the end of this season, that will have an effect on players going into the next season and beyond. They might have to cut something. This could be the death of, of the League Cup. They've got to. They've got to, you know, they've got to put players, they've got to think of the players a little bit as well. Can't just flog them completely. Rather um, have this belief that they're paid an abnormous amount of money so they should be worked or they should be you know, able to do more, which is complete rubbish. You have to think of these people as human beings too. Of course they are, and there's only so much your body can take. Um, and it's ridiculous, really. And it also, for the fans, the more football, the, it kind of decreases the quality because they're, they're knackered, aren't they? Mm. Or they're playing with injuries and stuff. So, yeah, just as long as they do it in a sensible way. But I, I can't get away from the fact that, even as the United fan, I would... I would I would feel something for Liverpool if they can't win this title. I would. Hard for me to say, but deep down, I think I would. Um, yeah, there you go. I've said it. It's on record now. We have a few questions to wrap up on from Twitter. We've um, two ones I've picked out. Yep. Um, the first one from Brian Murphy. Um, Schmeichel. The PG. Oh yeah, I made sure. Um, oh. Schmeichel, Van der Zaar, De Gea in that order. Agree? Ian? Oh, um, Schmeichel first, Van der Zaar second, oh. De Gea third. Yeah. Yes. Um, for me, it's probably 
about the right sort of thing. But I, I think mainly, I think that could possibly be just based on the facts that we know what Smeichel won, we know what Van der Sar won, and and De Gea's not been in those sort of teams that were pretty much at the top of the top of the league and, and challenging most years. And so, and and when he was, it was in his early days and he's grown a lot and stuff like that. And he, De Gea become, you know, can save and do the shop stopping that I think would actually be higher than both of them. I think the big team, uh, which might So be... I think it's, it's a really sort of hard one to judge, but... Um, I always liked Michael as a, as a player, as, as a commanding keeper, and, and that's something that the Hay has not got. Um, Van der Sar was sort of similar as well. Yeah, it's the all-around nature of it. If you're talking about pure shot-stopping, the Gea might be better than them all, but it's the all-around goalkeeping package. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the fact that he could... He could assist goals with his, like you say, with his long throws and 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 the way he used to, his one on ones. He just he'd kind of cover the whole goal with his body the way he spreaded himself. And he, I don't know, for me, he's the best keeper I've ever seen, without doubt. I mean, Buffon doesn't compare. Neuer is probably as close that I can remember seeing, but for me, he's the best ever. We all agree on Schmeichel being first. Then, do we all agree that Van der Sar pips? Here. Again, based on the all-round element, just because he had more of a presence. I mean, he didn't have the same presence as Schmeichel, but he had that, just physically, he had yeah. more of a presence. Um, but yeah, I suppose Ian's point's a good one. You know, we, we never, we've never seen De Gea in a great side, so it's very hard to say. Yeah. You know, kind of behind the eight ball, isn't he, immediately? Mm. No, I not, not a bad problem to have that we've had all three of them. Absolutely, and especially after so many years trying to replace Michael, where we had a couple of duds. Um, yeah. There is another question there from Ben Parsons. How realistic is it that United can sign their top targets, Sancho, Grealish, um, this summer, given the uncertainty? Well, just in terms of the signings, I think they're realistic in terms of being able to get them. I think the players probably will be keen on coming. Um, which kind of ties in nicely with what we were discussing before, the fact that you know there, there was that little bit of a team spirit that was getting cultivated. And I think, like you said, Dale, other players see that. It's online, it's there, it's very visible. And I think those young English players will buy into that. But I, I, in terms of the economics and the, the, you know, the societal factor of it and whether there's going to be a transfer window, I'd... Your guess is as good as mine in that regard. Yeah, it throws a lot up into the air. Like, Ian, it gives clubs maybe a chance to, you know, Skype agents, WhatsApp agents. So there's more time to do things like that and negotiate. But are clubs able to negotiate when there's no, there's so much uncertainty? I'll sort you pretty much answer your own question at the end there, really. You know, I... I, I sort of would think that, you know, with, with all this time that people are sat around or working from home in that sort of situation for, for agents and players and stuff, is that, yeah, you've got the time to do these types of deals behind the scenes. Um, but, you know, um, there's got to be something where you've got to think, well, hang on it, where the, where, you know, how does this work when we get to our transfers? You know, we talked and debated about how you finish the season off or if you don't in that instance and the point though I think that needed to go on as well is that start next season and give next season a full run out you know you pretty much start in next season in what is the second weekend of August um, now you've got a fiction and a, a transfer window before that as well and obviously like we've all said is that you can't throw in players um, into from you know literally having one season end and then two weeks later start a new one. It just not it's not going to work. So I think that's that's part of the question is is you know having that sort of gap between the seasons and is two weeks you know quick enough to be able to suggest that a transfer window is able to be open and all these transfers uh, gives gives 
clubs enough time to do the sort of dealings, even if they have sat down on Skype or Zoom or whatever and, and done the sort of negotiating beforehand. Um, I think it's, that's all sort of up in the air and I think we'll, we'll pretty much we'll have to only see where we'll... Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy. Interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood? Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello.